0: are listening to Be Simply. This is Suzanne Toro, aka She. You can anticipate being inspired, discovering some inner and outer wisdom and inspiration. Without further ado, let's dive into Be Simply. So I want to welcome ray indigo here today on be simply i want to thank you so much for uh diving in
1: thank you for having me i'm ready yes. i hope
0: oh i'm sure you're beyond ready because <laughs> we're just gonna shine a light on you and all the beautiful things you do in the world
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um well i know you have i guess let's dive in just if you can give the listeners a little bit of background from yoga, and then we'll build up to what you've just launched. <laughs> I'm not even going to say that. <laughs> but just a little bit about your history of, of yoga and well-being and uh, serving the world through a very beautiful system.
1: So I started um, I started studying yoga when I was a kid. Uh, meditation when I was three, which is an odd place to begin. And then um, uh, pranayamas, kriyas, and hatha yoga. Um, uh, all through my childhood and then martial arts when I was 10 and I have 30 years of martial arts training. So it makes um, very intense training and I didn't like know, this was before it was popular in the mainstream and the way we trained was very kind of removed, not not in the yoga studio model and all of this. And right. so I didn't know that yoga became popular and then I remember going to like a regular yoga studio and just being like really surprised, also surprised that so much of the the really necessary practices were missing. So I moved to Miami in uh, 2010 or 11 and just began teaching because I was like, I felt guilty not teaching. And I taught for a few months and found myself leading a teacher training. And then I started touring all of it, it exploded underneath me because I don't know, I think the information was useful and I ended up. Teaching all over the world—Peru, Switzerland, Sweden, Bali, Mexico—and being on tour for most of a decade until COVID. Oh,
0: <laughs> then you're like locked down. On then,
1: <laughs> yeah, I was. I was fly. Yeah, exactly. Basically, I was supposed to fly to Sweden on the 9th of March last year and teach a, a therapeutic yoga course. And then that didn't happen. And, and then I, I recognized it right away. I was like, ah, we're doing this. <laughs> so I, I took a few days and I sat there and I was like, OK, everything you've built in the last decade is about to dissolve. Because I just knew yeah. and uh, and I just didn't really skip a beat. I learned web programming and how to manage all the video and lighting and about 27 different new skills and then started teaching all the courses online, which has gone surprisingly well. Beautiful. Yeah, we all became <laughs>
0: shifting. I know my. It's like okay, my studio becomes a camera room, and then it becomes a studio.
1: <laughs> this is like so 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 yeah. That that it's like this the production movement. Now I see some private clients, so I have like, I have to book like time in between so for, to take down all of the lighting <laughs> and cameras.
0: Yeah, yeah I feel you. <laughs> well, it's it will. It is a blessing that there was that transition uh, from going out and then just really being in and then (laughs) (laughs) and so with you I'm curious uh with your martial arts training coupling that with uh yoga the system of yoga I always like to say uh how uh have you seen those two influence your teaching and then uh where you're at right now
1: well, the, the thing that's happened in yoga is a major degradation over the last 20 years uh, in the attitude of both the aspirant, the student, and the teacher to kind of hold them accountable to actually evolve. So basically what happened is they took yoga practices, which were designed for self-liberation, not just to get your legs behind your head. I mean, that's cool and yeah. all. It's really, <laughs> it's only preparation. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> it's really only preparation. So we saw this, this major degradation, but this didn't happen in the martial arts lineages. I mean, a little bit, but not as much as it did in yoga. Right. So what, what it's allowed me is I have a bit of the attitude of a martial artist in that I, ha- I require my students to, to kind of get it together. Yeah. And I'm not, But I do have therapeutic students, which is different practice. So someone comes to you, they have major emotional trauma. They have major physical trauma. If you choose to take them as a client, you can use all the practices of yoga in a therapeutic way. Right. but we need to be very clear that the goal of it is not just to temporarily make you feel better it's actually self-realization right so beautiful. i apply that martial arts you know let's do it let's get in there yeah. to the practice
0: beautiful oh. Aho. <laughs> thank you for being out there <laughs> and i um and if you can share a little bit because a lot of people don't understand this concept uh with some of the indigenous tribes i work with some of the elders want to even pass down the teachings because the degradation of the student is where they say it's not worth it. It's better for it to go back to the earth and come back up again in the next go around. If you can share for those out there listening, um, how maybe they could evaluate if they're at that place of degradation and where they might, where you might inspire them to step it up a notch.
1: There's, um, there's two, words in Sanskrit that are really helpful if we translate them. The first one is a word known as avyasa, and it's this attitude of never giving up. Now, the manifestation of never giving up is is that I have fallen more times out of poses than most my students have tried. And so, so but then it's paired with something else that's really important. And that's this word, vairagya, and what that means is to be uncolored or untouched or not to let something that occurs stick to you. And a good way to understand this is imagine that I'm sitting here and that I'm transparent. And behind me, some people walked and they carried like a big red wall. I would become red. But the moment that they leave, I go back to transparency. And so what happens to most students is they try to do something. And of course, the first time you try to do something, you're probably not going to get it right. (laughs) But then they they get a failure. Yeah, they get a loss or they feel stupid or they feel uncomfortable. And it's the role of the teacher to teach them to deal with that discomfort in in the right way so that they have the tools. But what happens is that they get the failure and it sticks to them. And so now they go to try the pose again. And because they don't have this burning desire to overcome it, avyasa, never giving up, it's stuck to them. And they don't have viragya, meaning don't let it stick to you. Like, these two things are very essential in a practice. And what's happened in the quality of of students now is because of our seven-second social media attention span, if they don't get a result right away, they don't have a realization right away, they give up. So right. as, a, as a student, as an aspirant that wants to achieve something, expect it to be uncomfortable. Find an expert teacher and don't give up. Be better than your teacher.
0: Right. Beautifully. Well said. Uh, and share, obviously, since you were three years old meditating, uh, how... <laughs> I, I would joke. very funny. This, <laughs> this <laughs> lifetime, how it's like, oh, we have to do this again. Like, you know, when you, especially... For those that are destined to have yoga or certain things cross their path again. Uh, for you, uh, how familiar was it? And uh, did you have any resistance along the way because you've been here before?
1: It was the most natural thing. It took me a lot of confusion to actually realize what, what the, that it was a struggle for other people because a meditative state was very natural to me. But I will say that the, the initial training when I first really got fixated on meditation was because I had this idea as a kid that if I really learned to have my mind completely empty, I'd be able to read my brother's cards and go fish. So... <laughs> I love it. So I, I had I had a real reason to overcome the barriers. I, I don't know how I got this idea when I was just a kid. So I would really practice emptying my mind of thoughts.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> you wanted to see through his eyes or read his thoughts.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. It, it, you know, and it didn't work out yet. So
0: beautiful. Uh, so now that you've adapted through covid and florida's been probably the least impacted from what i understand from clients i have there and friends that i have there uh are you ready to hit the road again traveling well
1: i love i haven't been i didn't sit still so as soon as this hit i basically launched everything operational and then i made it mobile So I went to Pennsylvania and then I drove to North Dakota and all the time I I got all these different devices to to pull Wi-Fi signals. I have like different ways of broadcasting. And so I taught from all over the country because you could still drive and I love nature. And I wasn't, you know, in Miami when this hit, it was fine for a couple of months, but then it gets really hot, which means you're in the AC and life kind of sucks you're like in a box and you go from your room to the other room and you do your broadcast (laughs) so I was just like how about now so I went to um Pennsylvania to see my family and then decided that I it was a perfect time to visit North Dakota nice (laughs)
0: and did the Great Plains over there speak to you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I love I love the big mountains. I, I have stayed in Miami so long because of the airport. It's easy to fly to South America and Europe, which is where most of my courses are. So right. a direct flight when you travel that much is really valuable. Yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> Shorter distances.
1: Shorter distances. Yeah, so I spent a lot of time just me and my two Pomeranians out in Colorado, North Dakota, South Dakota. And everything was, you know, North Dakota and South Dakota were really open and but there was just no people so if you're yeah so it was was very fascinating and then other parts of the country you know were totally closed and you couldn't even go into to get a subway sandwich and so it was (laughs) like it was interesting driving state to state and kind of seeing and just because of my natural reclusiveness Mm -hmm. I loved it because I just it was me and hotel rooms Mm -hmm. and Cabins and you know weeks and weeks and weeks in nature because I figured if I'm gonna be isolated, right? Let's be somewhere expansive instead of locked in a box, right?
0: Well, good for you. Uh, the the chronicles of COVID on the road. I
2: love yeah, that. yeah.
1: I mean, it, it was. I just figured if, if that's what we're doing, then I will see some mountains and get that final that time that I was missing from all the years of traveling. So it was it was. It was actually beautiful for me. And because I got tech savvy, I was able to run my, you know, courses and everything from a cabin in North Dakota. Nice.
0: I love it. (laughs) And so um, also in this process, is this when, or we'll make the announcement now, that you created your skincare line that you've just (laughs) relatively soon launched? Or how did this all happen?
1: It hasn't really Yeah, yeah, yeah. It happened really randomly. So I've made my own skin formulations, lotion, everything, because I went to school for chemistry Mm -hmm. and I started doing all kinds of stuff in my early 20s with this. But, you know, it's not a cool business when you're in your 20s. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah. in December I made a post just like normal yoga post and I got all these people asking me like what do you use for your skin? What can you recommend? And I sat there and I, I have a lot of ethics with my students meaning I don't recommend them things that I don't do so I was like well I actually I make my own stuff right. which seems really natural to me and, and I tried to explain to them how to like make some you know just mix this and this and this and yeah. and then I was like oh well why don't I make some?" so I just made the first batch and it was really quite surreal the effects that it had on people like like how quickly they transformed because remember i'm used to it and if you look at most you know skincare lines it's full of all kinds of stuff you would never eat preservatives because they're selling it to stay on a shelf for a long time so it kind of was like a miracle i remember like watching people and we would literally see like their face hydrate for the first time and then after a couple of days So I just was like, well, what else am I going to do? You know, probably we're not going to be traveling and I love to to make things. So I built a home lab. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) But then I had to learn all the coding and because I, I do all the things myself. So it's oftentimes, you know, 16 hour days. So I program all the site. I handle all customer relations. And right. have, yeah, so it's fascinating. <laughs> so I have two businesses now. I don't know. I don't know what. <laughs> I was supposed to take a year off.
0: Yeah, you, you created more. So, which is beautiful because, you know, coming out of this ex- world experience that we've all had, uh, everyone's having to reinvent or re-navigate uh, what is. So I think it's beautiful. Uh, and if you can share with the listeners a little bit about the importance of the skin being the skin's the largest organ of our body and how, uh, you know, an Ayurvedic principle science, you know, it's something that's very addressed <laughs> in a lot of the treatments.
1: Yeah. So, so what happens with, with people's skin is, is first off it's chronically dehydrated or or has different inflammations and and i'm talking about like the, the body skin the face skin um and what you see is that you know it's popular to use things like coconut oil on your face it's just it's fine for the body but it over time it's not going to provide just enough if you want to keep your your face skin growing with the elastin collagen and keep it healthy so there's you know in ayurveda we prefer sesame oil in general as over over the whole skin unless you're in a really hot climate so and there's different oils that we mix like i'm i'm about to make a a batch of something called uh, brahmi oil which is a you, you, yeah okay so you're you're aware so it's a very interesting thing but i i don't like any of the ones that they have so i'm going to just make it myself because the, the ones you order i want to put it in formulas right and this is super super valuable for the skin but the other thing that's happening with people is they don't exfoliate properly. Either they do it too aggressively or, you know, there's all these scrubs in Ayurveda. I don't know if you've ever used any of the different kinds of scrubs. There's ones that have like neem or ones that have um, different flowers that we make them out of. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, it's, it's fascinating. So eventually I'm going to be offering these. But right now we're I'm, I'm swamped with the current, the current product line. But, you know, people don't know. So they don't know. And also I can't recommend many other products just because the quality isn't there. They put weird things in it. Or if I find one that's good in a line, then they put kind of denatured things in the rest of it. Right.
0: Yeah. And if you can share uh, with the listeners uh, some of the things for them to look at, because, you know, I see this a lot. People will, you know, they just don't know and they're, carrying a toxic tube or bottle of something
1: usually usually turn just turn over the bottle and look at it and then sit down like we all have google right at our fingertips go on your phone and read what the ingredients are Um, and and what you'll find is that the the majority of um products they they put in like a, a few vitamins or a few good things but they're at such a small like if you read formulations they're at such a small amount that it's not actually working as a therapy you're basically buying expensive glycerin and preservatives in a lot of products yes. and if you, if you understand like basic formulation you'll see that what you're paying for because i know <laughs> puppies chill <This> fine. <laughs> <Keeps it reading. laughs> because i know what um what the formulations are from a lot of these companies so i pour through them it's as i look and as i look and look and look because it's part of you know educating people i am tremendously disappointed at just that that people are paying the prices and they're getting nothing they're they're paying for a fancy ad and the marketing but you're basically getting overpriced glycerin with a few crystals of vitamin c in it and a few herbs that are well marketed but the Form they're using is so denatured, or it's been extracted so much that it's not actually effective. And how do you know? Because you can just look at your skin. Yeah, I'm 41. Yeah. There's the That's, I I think that that attests to the the protocol. But the best thing people can do is just read it, Google it, educate yourself, and you can always make your own. You need to understand the base and then different efficacies that you put in for effects, but you know, it's, it's, I don't know. I have a chemistry background, so it's <laughs> <laughs> like reading a cake recipe for me. Yeah,
0: of course. Yeah. So, and then where can they find it? I want you to shout out the site.
1: Uh, I'm, I'm kind of bad at self, at self-promotion a little bit. I'm a bit of a nerd. So it's a formula <laughs> and it's a, I built the site myself. So I think it's super cool. <laughs> Give me a few minutes. <laughs> And it'll be even cooler. Yeah, you did a <laughs> but, great job. <laughs> the nice thing is is that you if you use my products first, I have a money back guarantee. If you don't like it, I just refund you because I I have a high ethics and I, you know, but I haven't had to do that.
0: That's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you would know if you had to refund everyone's money, maybe a new business option is awaiting you. Yeah. Um, and speaking of ethics, you know, when we talk about skincare and ingredients, but also when we talk about the system of, of yoga and being a practitioner and even a teacher, can you share a little bit about uh, the importance? Because you've touched on it a few times about your own ethics, but why that's there and what the value is for us to have ethics.
1: Ethics. So so ethics is the consideration that another being's beingness is as valuable as your own. And it's, it's really understanding that if you if you don't have strong ethics, you can't teach first because you'll serve something other than what's needed. You won't know like a lot of the things that happen that's very funny with ethics and teaching yoga is that if you're not comfortable with the discomfort of others, you can't guide them through it. So what happens is that because a lot of people see someone struggling with something, oh, stop, oh, stop. It's a fascinating thing. So unless you have very strong ethics into exactly how to guide somebody, what you'll find is that your students won't progress because first you won't give them the instruction needed. And... and then second, you're serving a, like a, a false idea, like you want them to like you. You want them like, I don't mind if, my, if they like me, it's a bonus, but I tell them that if they need to curse my name, but do your practice. And this is, <laughs> that's the ethics of a teacher. It's that for me, when my students are successful and many of them are much more successful than I am, this is like, it means that I really did something excellent in supporting them. And it's, it's such a joy. So as a teacher, your ethics need to be, I am the floor, not the ceiling. Right. So, so what I teach you, I need you to expand upon that and build. And this is a, this is the ethics of teaching. Now the ethics in relationships and business is similar, but not the same. A, a teaching role is a very um, higher responsibility. Right. And, and
0: if you can uh, share a little bit about the karma, the cause and effect of that, uh,
1: it goes out to everyone in their life. So I, I work with a lot of mothers, pregnant mothers, a lot. I work mostly with women, not because I exclude men. It just tends to be who is there. And when when you improve a woman's life, you improve everyone around her. And most of what we teach is the physical stuff is easy, but the The mental, the spiritual stuff, this is goes to the children, it goes to the husband, it goes to their work, it goes to their parents, it goes in everything they touch from the aesthetics of the space around them to the consideration after they use someone's bathroom to leave it in a nicer state because they're actually in communication with what's around them. So when you teach, when you really teach, which is not an easy job, you see that you create blossoms and life and goodness in the world and and that needs to be your purpose that's your reward essentially and if it, if that's not rewarding to you don't teach because for a lot of people that's not what they want they want to be heralded glorified attention they want to be seen in a in a position i personally don't every time before i teach I'm always like okay Like there's always this for even eight hours a day. There's always this moment I have to step over and that keeps me clean because it means that I'm really looking to, to bring something out in another person as opposed to anything else. And I think that that changes and if you find yourself distracted or you're worried what your students think of you take a time out and go put your ethics in.
0: Yeah. Well said. And, uh, what have you noticed most, uh, during this world transition that we've been in that has uh, really spoken to you as a person?
1: Well, the the main thing that's happened from the the viewpoint of a yogi is that the people have been pushed down to a state where they are regularly having low emotions. So you see the prevalence of fear, anxiety, hatred, um, frustration, and then the following confusion and the life going out of sorts. Now, because most people don't have the tools to recognize what's happening and to recognize how to mediate it in their own life, that their life starts to go out and the life of everyone around them goes out. And so what's happened globally is that some people, like it's like, imagine that you're, uh, you're doing some sort of, um, like you're, you're, you're making us a sword, yeah? The, the heat and the, the intensity as you form it makes it into this sharp thing. But for many people, because they don't have the steel, they haven't been given the steel to, to mold, that heat and that pressure actually destroys them. And this is what we're seeing is that people that were unprepared for a long duration um, stimulation of negative emotions instead of rising or crumbling, whereas others are becoming more clear, more stable. So there's a saying in yoga. We say that in the beginning you need encouragement. You need the encouragement of your sangha. You need the support of many to nurture you. But then once you become strong in your practice, you need criticism.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You need resistance. You need that that because that purifies you. Is it real in you in the tough times? And how do you respond? And so what we're seeing is that as this there's this new pressure is is what happens to a lot of people. And what I've seen is a Tremendous degradation, specifically in the, in the youth, because I work with a lot of families. So, uh, you know, 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds, their life has been changed in a way that um, I don't know if they have the tools to recover and they've been put into a, a total state of fear and anxiety. And that's not how you make people strong against anything. So if you, if you want to lead people... If there's a, a sickness or a crisis, you need to speak to them in a way that makes them strong in their spirit, and this has not been done.
0: Right, absolutely.
1: That's that's what I see. Yeah, I
0: got chills. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, and for you, uh, where are you guided to help in the recovery process? You know, because many of us are, you know, potentially going to need to help people in the recovery process because we have different varies of states of being in humanity right now. Ones that are like you just described, ones that are strong or maybe uh, in moving towards their strength. And then people that are completely uh, still unaware, almost like in a, a fog, like the shock,
1: you know, they're in the they're, shock they're, Yeah, they are. They're, they're, they're totally Because let's understand, like when someone becomes deeply traumatized, you have a destabilization of a number of things. First, they feel like there's nothing they can do about it. So this causes a particular kind of stress. Next, they feel like unknown things are continuously coming, which causes a second kind of stress. Now, those things are real. So you have to validate that this is actually occurring. So the person doesn't feel like they're being gaslit by the world. No, it's it's real. Your life has been totally destabilized. So how do you recover? As a practitioner, what I do, and this is just a general policy, is that I focus on people who are in a better condition and giving them the tools to improve those around them. Mm -hmm. So if I take my energy and I focus on someone who's in a very bad condition, the likelihood of them finding the fire to kind of pull themselves out is less. And so my time goes into an intense process, which I can do. But as a, as a teacher, what I've done is I've actually limited my, my courses to those who are in the condition to confront much, uh, much heavier kind of data and information and then apply it. So I'm teaching teachers how to do the outreach. Just that, and that's my personal thing. And the, the best thing to recover anybody is, is every being in the universe craves two things. And if you understand this, you can begin healing them. The first is attention. You rest your attention on them. The second is admiration without discrimination, meaning that you're not admiring this and disliking that. You're actually able to experience the entirety of their being exactly as it is. And if you can do that and have that and flow this, it's a high frequency of love. That's all that's required, not fixing or explaining, because that has such a powerful spiritual potency that the person begins to remember themselves. So you don't need to tell them anything. You want to return them. The spirit is naturally ethical. When it de- degrades and becomes individuated into different components, you see that now we get these, these wars and we feel like we are a divided creature. But how do you heal that is not by finding all the divisions and trying to stitch them back together. <laughs> it's by reminding the spirit of what it actually is. And that's done without disparagement, without evaluation, actually. You don't criticize. You grant beingness attention admiration and it's very counterintuitive in this world but just that just an hour of actually being with someone and listening is oh tell me more explain this to me in no mocking way no way to help like fix their logic nothing like this just to be with their spirit is the most healing thing very few practitioners can actually do it so you know what i mean to actually be yeah. yeah but that's the most healing thing Beautiful,
0: which is is, uh, harking into what a yogi aspires to, a union, uh, being that you have a love for nature, uh, a love for yoga. Uh, And if you can share a little bit about how yoga, when we are in union with self, uh, is a mirror of interdependence versus codependence and what's possible at that threshold.
1: So... When, when you uh, attain the, the state of self-realization, which you never lost. So, so we, we want to see this map. There's, a, there's something in yoga called avidya, which just means ignorance, but it's really defined as the primary forgetting, which means that as we take birth into a body, there's a, a veiling process that occurs where we begin to look for self outside of self. And, and so this is this avidya, this ignorance. So this, the unification, and I can, of course, expand much more on this exact subject. The unification is really the dissolving of all of these, we call them kleshas. So they're the, the things we think ourself, like I think I'm a relationship. I think I'm my job. I think I'm my hair. I think I'm my personality. I think I'm my friends. And this is very like gross examples, but I think I'm my thoughts. I think that emotion is me. So this process of yoga is a systematic one of recognizing not self, not self, not self until you realize that the very thing that illuminates those in your mind field is you. And at that moment, the, the interdependence, the, it, it's beyond this because you recognize that spirit is the same in all of us. So we're, it's even greater than an interdependence. It's a, it's a brilliant sea of souls trapped in layers of illusion. And when you recognize this, it's impossible not to understand another being and also not to love them. It doesn't mean you don't handle them as, as needed, <laughs> but you love <laughs> them while doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then, but what happens in, in codependence, and this is an interesting thing I'll touch on, is that um, many people form bonds. And this is, we'll, we'll use some chemistry analogy here. Exactly. They, they form bonds ba- based on a pain body to pain body, which is one way to say it. It's like, it's as if you're imagine your field, we'll say, we'll say field, your energy field. Imagine that you had certain spikes in a way and and you ran into another person that had a perfect dent that matched your spike. So, what happens is that you'll form this it's a codependent bond or it's a it's an unstable bond. Now, it'll be there and it'll exist as a way where you connect with the person through painful through the sharing of painful experiences and you'll seek outside stimulation because the bond is unstable meaning it doesn't have its own harmonic so what happens is that if one person in this relationship begins to improve that pain body won't be as sticky and active and it'll begin to recede and if they and they'll find that either they that they'll lose the relationship in general and many relationships are held together by this kind of bond not by a a, a deep spiritual connection of presence. And so that's like codependent is just a form of the myriad of pain body mergings. And if you witness this and you, you listen to someone, you can spot it immediately by the way they speak about the other person, that it's pain body, which doesn't make them bad or good. It's just yeah. a different kind of bond. Absolutely.
0: And uh, you use that word, dualistic word, bad or good. It isn't bad or good. Share a little bit about how energy doesn't have an opinion.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Energy flows where attention goes. So it'll follow your opinion. So energy is an interesting subject. So I'm teaching a course right now that I I basically sold as a pranayama course, but it's a full Kriya meditation energetics course, Mm -hmm. um, which is where you understand how to um, first handle your own field and then to generate uh, specific frequencies in the fields and the spaces around you. So it's very fascinating. But at the, the basic level of when we want to handle any kind of energy is that you have to decide. It's a fascinating thing. So you have to decide not to look for it or hope for it or search for it. It's a big misunderstanding, especially when we're talking about the, like the nadis, the energy channels in the body or whatever they want to call them. We have many names. Yeah. The idea is it's something that you're looking for as if it was like a vein and you'll find it. But it's not it's actually a a thing that you create. Yeah, and you're creating it unconsciously And the process of understanding these energetic flows is to, to rehabilitate them into proper geometric forms and create them consciously, which means that you're in a deep state of presence in the moment. So the, the amazing thing about any energy work is that it requires that the person's attention is in present time, which is why most people can't do it right because their attention is somewhere in the past somewhere in the future somewhere to the left and a little bit back and yeah. and so we have to go through a purification process where we process the distractions to return the person to present time before they can direct energy absolutely that was and really a, a much bigger answer than you probably
0: wanted that was, it's beautifully stated and if if you can share uh what happens in that very very present moment mm-hmm space because just like a deep meditation where everything falls away and one may I always described you don't know really you're there till you come out of it but in waking state when you're in the present moment if you can just share a little bit about what happens in that magical space
1: um the how do you know that you're in that space is that you know things that you don't know by logic you have a, a knowingness that extends beyond your present environment. And you'll, you'll recognize truths not as a process, like as a, as a this, then that, then this, not as a logical process, but as a, an awareness that's immediate. So meaning that when you hold this state and someone comes into your presence, you just know them, probably more than they know themselves, but it's not a problem. And this is like one of the most marked qualities of when it's awake, week state and we're not talking about like deep yogic dreaming or any of these when it's a awake state is this extension of knowingness and as you increase it you will see that the awareness of walls and what's inside of walls the awareness of the physical universe totally changes because you come into communication with an underlying an underlying uh how would i say this uh things are not dead (laughs) (laughs) the the objects are not dead the people that you you made it like or not like are not dead everything is really much more alive than sometimes we want to know and when you enter these deep states of meditation first you won't be lost in the constant uh, spinning of mental apparitions mind ghosts yeah you will find that uh, like a like a mahamudra state or a samadhi state, any of these, you'll find that there's if there's a thought, it's like it's so far on a distant horizon, and your presence extends in a vast expanse, and you could you can rest your attention on anybody in your life and know what's happening, and you can see it clearly. So this is this is That's a, a awesome. result. <laughs> it's it's easier than you think but but you have to create the right container because the mind the the mind is how would we say this a good a good way to understand body energy and mind this is an analogy of course so it's not exact is if you think about body like a block of ice you can set it somewhere and it stays still and it's easy to control in a way and then you think about um the the energy of the body you can think about like you have a a cup of of, of water it takes a container to control it but it's easy to control mind is like steam (laughs) yeah so you must have a very uh the right kind of container in a way to to control it and when you do you can set it aside
0: (laughs) (laughs) is, is a wonderful thing (laughs)
1: <laughs> just put that over here
0: yeah exactly only utilize it when you're mixing oils
1: <laughs> even then, yeah even then it's so it's a it's such a i mean i look at the formulations but i wouldn't say i'm i'm thinking per se i'm right. really yeah, it's I very imagine much you're in your flow <laughs> <laughs> and if
0: as you're speaking uh, if you can touch on a little bit about how the uh, senses retire. I think oftentimes if a student is moving beyond just Western yoga, asana, and maybe starting to get a little pranayama, but but if all of a sudden they start to look a little bit deeper and they see this thing about retiring their senses, uh, beyond there, there's some really yummy things. <laughs> uh, can you just shed a little
1: light on uh what happens so so the the eight limb path of raja yoga which is what you're talking about has essentially eight components and they're oftentimes presented in a linear way as if it's steps um but actually they're they're a circle that comes out of a samadhi state and so to understand any of the limbs we have to define the word samadhi so sama means equal or balanced and it's very important that you understand this because it explains the other eight limbs so when something is equal or balanced it's non-dual it's not moving this is different from balancing so it's a what's happening here is that they're pointing at sama is a is a deep absorbed state where the attention becomes completely stabilized which means that it's in the spirit because the only place in you that is Totally balanced. It's not balancing. Is the is the actual spirit or the nothingness which comes into the somethingness that we call by many names, prakriti, maya. There's many. So the particular limb that you're that you're referring to is known as pratyahara, which means sensory withdrawal. So it's um it's a necessary step to to not have the mind be jumping. Yeah, because what happens is that you're trying to meditate and you hear your neighbor's cat running upstairs. <laughs> and then you start thinking about cats. You remember this thing. And then you're somehow you're like remembering when you went to the bank this morning. Yeah. So Pratyahara is a is a is trained very specifically um, by withdrawing the senses in a way. And the other part that's lost is that you actually push the sense channels the opposite direction. So many people are losing hearing losing sight losing smell losing all of this because this the sense channels and i'm just going to use a a word that might not be familiar it's a the word precipitate or we can think of it like a congestion or something resting upon because we've been hearing so many things that we didn't want to hear we weren't willing to experience those sounds or those stories so in a way to avoid it, we begin to hold the precipitate with which blocks the functioning of the sense channel. So how do we get students to correctly withdraw? It, this dual universe is so hilarious <laughs> by actually teaching them how to outflow through the sense channels, which is a such a fascinating subject and practice. And as a side effect of this, you oftentimes see a massive improvement in hearing, sight. Eye yoga is based on this, but it's not taught correctly because they never explain this principle of outflowing and right. non-grasping. Yeah. yeah. So so the, the the art of Pratyahara is learning both flows of the mechanism, not just to remove attention from the sense channel, but to actually push attention through it in a way that clears it. They both have to be taught equally to, to, to really be mastered. Mm. So...
0: Well said. (laughs) And as you're sharing that, you're reminding me, you know, right now, a lot of veils are dropping. And so, (laughs) yes, (laughs) a lot of veils are dropping. And and I like the description of when people start to either they don't want to see or they don't want to hear. So they Mm. evade that. and i think right now as many people that can let that veil drop the better for the human species if you could give the listeners just a little tip on how to really confront maybe what they're not wanting to look at within self not right now we're being polarized by pointing fingers at one another but how to look within self at what we maybe don't want to see here feel touch taste
1: so there's a couple of practices that i that i give to my regular students yeah that are incredibly beneficial and you'll you'll hear them you'll be like oh i know i should do that but you actually have to do it okay so the we want to understand what it means to confront so when you're uh, i'm going to talk a little bit about martial arts here so we have a saying that um either it's uh, too soon right timing or too late yeah. So when you go to, and I'm a wing chung martial artist, so close quarters, really violent street fighting styles is what I love. So, so the truth comes out. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, if there's no padding, there's as a woman, yeah. it's the only way you can defeat a stronger opponent is to know how to walk into their punch and get right. behind their guard. But it requires, yeah. The ability to confront. And I, I remember when I was first being trained in this, because I was trained in hard styles. I was trained in like, different kinds of kung fu but the wing chung training is very specific you learn at the first moment that if you realize a fight is on if something is going on that you need to confront you immediately explode towards it mm. and this is really scary i trained against guys that are like 250 pounds and they're coming <laughs> at you and but the, the the system works so you have right. to like you're, you're developing a trust in the system yeah right so how do we confront we have to recognize that fear, just like the book Dune, you know, they say fear is the mind killer, it's the little death. You know, I recommend everybody Google that quote because there is no situation when fear benefits you. So let's say, let's say you're on the edge of a cliff and you might fall to your death, you don't want to be afraid because you're gonna have all these physiological issues that come up. So, what do we do when we feel afraid? Is that we first recognize that. When you're running from something, it definitely is going to hit you. It's probably going to hit you. It's it's like coming at you and you're running. So when you run, you can't confront. So you have to recognize that it's not going to work at the moment of your death, the moment of your transition, at the moment of your breakup, at the hard moments in life, at the moments that you don't want to, you have to turn and take the first step. And the easiest way to do this on a gradient level is every morning when you wake up, you will find that you sit down, you have your tea or your coffee or whatever it is, and you write three pages and the three pages are whatever is on your mind. And they're not meant to be poetic. They're not a Facebook post. They're nothing useful (laughs) for the world. It's an outflow of all the things that you're that are playing out just below your consciousness. And what you'll see is that if you do this, you will unravel so many things that you're avoiding. As you do this process, you do a second process which is, is where you make lists of things that you actually need to, to handle. And then you set an exact date to do them and you keep that. And you also, the ones that are not necessary to be done, See, it, it seems really obvious, but this is how you confront. Yeah. yeah, You don't want to have that conversation with your spouse. You book a time yeah. and you find a way to start the words because there's, a, there's an amazing thing that happens when we confront the things that we are afraid of is that they tend to dissolve in front of us. You actually have the power to melt and change your life, but not if you're running from it. You are God in a body. What are you afraid of?
0: Yeah,
1: absolutely. So so how do you confront? You use these low gradient things, you do your actual practice, and you begin to notice when you feel afraid or running from something and find the way to see it. Because only when you see it can you decide, is running the best choice? Because sometimes, you know, sometimes you're much faster than the thing. And that is the way the front is, I'm getting the heck out of here. Yeah. But sometimes you can't outrun it. And and, and this comes with everything from your laundry, which I would love to outrun, (laughs) (laughs) to an actual, like, you know, you find yourself coming into a car accident. If you throw up your hands and let go of the wheel and you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe it's happening. For sure, (laughs) you're not going to have any control. But if you're able to say, "Okay, time's slowing down and this is happening, it's possible because you're of your very presence that you can change the outcome. And this is what I teach people. By your presence, by your attention, maybe you can change the outcome. At least we should try.
0: Right. Yeah. Or it can be more graceful. Uh. Exactly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I remember on this subject I was one day in a hurry which I have a general policy I don't hurry but I was in a hurry I was late for something and I'm walking out my door and I have these steps that are you know one smaller than the other and they expand out and I have my Pomeranian in one arm and my computer in the other and I'm like going to my car and I misstepped and thank god for my training because I had a choice right land on the dog land on the computer or like try to do a ninja roll into it. So <laughs> the outcome was both the computer and the Pomeranian were fine. My ankle was a little unhappy for a good six months, but you know, th- this is confronting yeah. is like in the real yeah. moment, you make the decision to save the most things possible. Beautiful.
0: Well said. So yeah, it's fight or flight, <laughs> but you don't stay there. So I, I love that you're encouraging all of us to confront, especially at this, this moment. You cannot.
1: <laughs> the, the, the reality is, as much as you may want not want to, you, you do. And I, this, most of my coaching practice with my yogis is showing them how to like handle their bosses at work. I just got a, a, one of my students, <laughs> she, got, she got offered a double, double her salary just because I showed her how to actually handle the situation. Instead of feeling anxious and put down in a week, we were able to turn it around. Why? Because confront doesn't mean you punch someone confront means you put your attention fully on the situation. You apply in discernment, presence and awareness, and you are clear on what the outcome you would like to have happen that benefits all people in it. Yeah. Well said. And
0: when you uh, speak of discernment and awareness and for the benefit of all, uh, can you give um, the listeners a little guidance on what what that means? Uh, for, you know, in the Tao, uh, you know, a master, a master can you know tell a lot about how someone enters a room. You know, they can see if they're aware of the room itself, of simple things like shoes and keys, uh, <laughs> and then tell the real master. <laughs> uh, but. Can you leave the listener, you know, from awareness into the benefit of all? Because this sometimes gets very confused, especially in a Western culture where people feel like they need to declare and are entitled, need to create, uh, I don't know, rules and regulations for anyone to interact with them. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah, this is a big one with me. So here's the thing is that the question is one of, Do we want to create awakened beings with excellent discernment and how to, because really, how do you have a great people? All of the people are able to consider those beyond themselves. And and to do this, it starts first with you, and, and, and first with you having the ability to experience the beingness of another, which may be completely different from you. Now, experience doesn't mean agree with, it means to allow it to exist. I may not agree with the scorpion, but I don't need to kill it. I also don't need to put it in my bed and say, well, no, we can be one. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I can say, ah, oh, it's a scorpion. We'll, we'll kind of, we're going to, we're going to put you over here, but I don't need to kill you. Yeah. And, and what's happening now with the hatred that people are learning to, you know, justify and weaponize. If you have to justify the way that you are towards another, you're already out of ethics. Mm-hmm. And, the thing is, is like, God, I could speak about this for three days straight. <laughs> but it comes down to: Do you want a world of sovereign beings who can make the right choice? Then we have to take the long path, which is messy and has mistakes, and has, you know, bad things happen on the on the path on that path. Bad things happen. So people get confused. They, they, yeah. Or do we want the path where? You know, which is the other option, which is where you are nothing but a body and the body needs to be protected at all costs. So we lock it in a room and we say nothing can happen to the body. And these are the opposite ends of the spectrum. Right. Now somewhere in between is a place of discernment where we recognize that life has risks. And this really comes down to a battle over the spiritual and the material. If you know that you're not a body, it doesn't mean you don't take care of the body. Yeah, right. but it means you actually take care of it very well because you you have the freedom of that choice. So what we're seeing right now is um is a massive trap, and you have to follow that premise that's being brought to you, which makes them attack and bully and compress and suppress and stop the motion of others around them to protect themselves, mm-hmm. instead of learning how to direct the motion of others around them, which is a different thing. Like. It's a master doesn't stop the motion unless you're literally a danger. Then I stop you only as much as I need to until I can remedy you. Right. Yeah. What you actually want to do is direct the motion of others. And our goal is always to create well being. And well being is a manifestation of each spirit and being's knowingness, not their compression. Mm. So it's a fascinating time. It's a fascinating. <laughs> series of justifications that are used to imprison our fellow man. It's always justified when we lock them up. It's always justified when we did that wrong thing. We have a million justifications. And that is, um, that is Mm. gross. It's ineffective at the end of the day, because what do we wake up in? What world do you want to wake up in? And we have to really look at this because there are massive, massive tech things that are coming to, to win the argument against material versus spiritual. And each being for themselves has to look inside and decide, are you a body or do you have a body? Because many of us who are warriors, we know that we may have to die so that others can have a kind of better existence. And this has been, you know, this is the warrior path. We, We know that we're not that body and there's something more important than my individual gathering of, yeah chemicals fur and cloth (laughs) (laughs)
0: absolutely well and then on the this the samurai's path uh, or the shaman's path or the yogi's path um you know if you can share how you view maybe being in the practice of walking out of that suit into the next suit uh Seamlessly.
1: Yeah, okay, so so uh, we call these a series of practices known as death meditations or death, the death practices. Yeah, so these are um, understanding how to handle transitory states, which should be confronted soon in life, not wait until the end. And um, (laughs) yeah, it's actually very important. (laughs) And it's a heavy subject that I address heavily with my students. Because in a way, yeah, in a way, the, the manifestation of your lifetime of practice is that is has to do with a lot with the death and is there a grace and one should always think that when you leave this body to to be like a bird flying off of a cliff this is it you should always think that you fly out of it and there's a whole series of um things that you need to know about like bardo states and transitory states and and actually like how to reincarnate properly there's an entire science to like you know yeah. You're, you know, if you are coming back here, how to arrive in an auspicious situation with, with a, where you have the potential to flourish or to remember the things that you learned. Because there's a barrier that comes in between lives. And that barrier prevents you from seeing the lessons of the previous incarnation, while at the same time the weight of the misdeeds carry here with you. So you carry this baggage into the next lifetime. Yep. And so it's very important that these things are looked at before the, the transition of the body death. Yeah, and, the, and then you have some familiarity because at that moment, there's the moment of death, there's a massive um, distortion of sensories. There's no more boundary of logic and, and reason. And this distortion is terrifying if you haven't prepared for it and thus leads to incarnations in a non-auspicious way. So there's a lot there.
0: Absolutely. We do, yeah. do a whole other show on that.
1: One of my favorite
0: <laughs> subjects is death. <laughs>
1: yeah, but the, the, the most important death thing, ever. if I close that, that topic for people to remember, is look at it now and confront it now so that it's not weighing over this whole life. And you, you know, and here's the thing if you do, this is a funny thing people don't know about. If you do a past life regression, the actual moment of death, you won't see. You'll see the moment before the moment after because you never died. Yep. You never, you never died. Yep. So the body died. And this, you can spot all of that. But you won't see you dying. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> well said. <laughs> well said. Well, and what a perfect time after a year of being put in a simulated fear death experience. <laughs> look, look at our death. <laughs> 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 I, I'm ready to do a whole series on it. Um,
1: so. It's very important, actually. That would be a great series, actually, like transitions, death and dying, especially yeah. since many of us have, you know, elderly sick relatives. And how do you, how do you confront that and hold space to, to help them transition? What's the most important thing yeah. when someone's dying, actually? Like, what yeah. what, what does space need to look like? What What is conducive to their transition?
0: Yeah.
1: And how should you hold your energy, your spirit in that moment is should all be seen before we arrive at that moment. Yes,
0: absolutely. And at the birth. There's a lot of karma that gets cleared with the that, that process too. So they're back to back really. <laughs> I'm like, that poor baby just died. Just give it a break for
1: a second. Exactly. 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 It's like, what the heck? I don't know any y'all.
0: <laughs> I was like, wait a second, I was just 90.
1: <laughs> Hold on, I just got squeezed a lot. <laughs>
0: exactly. Oh, well, Ray, you are a beam of light, and uh, it's been beautiful to have you here, have to have you back in the near future, uh, and uh, I appreciate all the work that you've been doing, and I'm glad you incarnated now uh, to help the humans on planet Earth, so... Okay. But um, I
1: love, I love people. Yeah, There's, that's good. <laughs> I, I, but I really do. I really, I just love them and I see them and I see all the things and I'm just like, I just love them. Yeah. You know? I, it's, just, it's I can't help it. Yeah,
0: I agree. I'm in love with humanity. So it's uh, a, a beautiful place to be uh, in our, in our humanness. So you have, um, was it, rattle off your websites again so uh, yeah so I know the, the links below but it's always good
1: to yeah, watch. <laughs> what's most important is that people get useful information but if you want to track me down I'm highly searchable <laughs> uh, I have two companies I have world yoga Institute which is um a, a school for yoga and it's I do everything from teacher trainings I do have regular classes um, I do in-depth you know as you can tell just from this interview I'm really interested in teaching the deeper things and that's where I find that probably my best value is. And then I have um, an amazing skincare line that's made by a yogi. So yes. I really care about everything that goes into it. Um, and that's formulaflawless.com. So worldyogainstitute, actually.org and formulaflawless.com.
0: Beautiful. And we'll put the links everywhere as we circulate this. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank so. you so much. It's, it's so lovely meeting you. Your questions were just amazing. It's great to meet you
0: and see you and um kindred spirit and you have a beautiful evening uh there on the east coast and we will be in touch in the very near future
1: Thank so nice to meet you my love and uh i will be in touch okay
0: ciao bella
2: <laughs> ciao. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: To be simply, this is Suzanne Toro, aka she. You can anticipate being inspired, discovering some inner and outer wisdom and inspiration. Without further ado, let's dive into be simply.